Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another message in our series, Fix Your Thoughts. Now, this series is based off of Philippians 4.8, where we read that we are to fix our minds on what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what if whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. We are to think about these things. The reality is, is we live in a world that is full of things that are just pressing in on us for, for our, our, our attention. It, they want us to fix our thoughts on that. And if you scroll social media, listen to the news, read the paper, get emails, whatever it might be, the world is full of things that we have to sift through in order for us to have the abundant life Jesus promised. Now, unfortunately, I've, as I've processed this particular verse, I've come to realize that most Christians are not living the abundant life Jesus promised, at least not internally. Maybe they have the wealth and maybe they have the position in their company or maybe they've gotten successful at school or sports or whatever the activity they might be involved in. But really, truly inside, they're living far from the abundant life, the joy that can be ours in Jesus Christ. And so this series is really focused on how do we, no matter what we may face, whether we're in prison like Paul was, or we're on a high mountain and we have everything that we could ever dream of. Somewhere in between, no matter where we face in life, we can have joy. We can have abundance. And it is through these practices, these eight, whatever you want to call them, distinctions or practices or whatever it might be, if we focus on these eight things, if we dwell on them, if we meditate on them, we can find that joy and that abundance inside, no matter what we face. And so that was what we talked about the very first week when we examined where Paul was, who he was writing to, and the situation, and how dire it was, and how much we can really relate to that situation. And we talked about what is true. <laughs> I, I am constantly just amazed by how many people claim to know truths but yet are so far from trustworthy. And so we have to constantly battle what is truth. Can we trust the source? Is it accurate? Even Christians proclaim truths that are not exactly true. <laughs> they haven't been tested. They haven't been questioned. And so they pass on these truths that are not true. And then we talked about what is good, focusing on what is good. And in that, we discussed these five characteristics of being honorable or admirable or right or pure or excellent. All of those were kind of clumped into goodness. And there's goodness all around us. There's goodness in us. There's goodness in nature. There's goodness in ultimately God. And anything that reflects his goodness is something you can fix your thoughts on. And now this week, we're going to examine how we can fix our lives on what is lovely. I love 
this one. This one's a really good one. And I'll try to, to keep my focus as we go through this because there's so much that we could put into what is lovely, but we'll try to keep it succinct today. Now, this word lovely comes from the original word that is prosphilies. <laughs> now, I don't expect you to know Greek, but it's what we refer to as phileo in many situations in the scriptures. Its root word is phileo. Now, phileo is a deep love, or some call it a brotherly love, a deep affection we have. Now, the prose on the phileo or the phileus in this word is, is kind of a, a something that you're going towards. So it's a deep affection towards something. A deep affection towards something was what lovely refers to in this passage. A deep affection towards something. We are to fix our mind on something that we have a deep affection for. Now, in today's modern language, lovely also refers to something that is exquisitely beautiful. And so here we have this word, as something that we have a deep affection for, and that is exquisitely, deeply beautiful to us, something we cherish. Now, I understand that for a variety of reasons, this may make you feel a little uncomfortable today. Because we have these compartmentalized minds. And especially for those who are fairly, they're meticulous. It's really hard for them to separate what we aren't supposed to do from what we are supposed to do. And so today, I want to answer the question, is it okay to fix our eyes on something that is lovely or beautiful? Is it okay? Because I grew up in, in the I kissed dating goodbye world, right? It was huge when I was a teen. So we lived in this purity culture where we couldn't even look at the opposite sex without being like, is somebody watching me? Is this okay? Should I, should I hold hands with a girl? Is that okay? Right? Like we had some serious questioning in that time. And so for me to even think about, wow, I can fix my eyes. On something that's beautiful or lovely. Well, that can get you a little uneasy. But listen to what Solomon, who is the infamous smartest guy in the Bible, many call him. He's the son of David, great and mighty God after, man after God's own heart, the ultimate king. He stated this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Now, if you really want some kind of steamy example of how Solomon views what's beautiful and what's lovely, read his song of Solomon. It's a, a beautiful depiction of a man and a woman's love for each other. It shows how God has made everything beautiful in his own time. And then, of course, we read in the very first sentence in the Bible, Genesis 1-1, that God created the heavens and the earth. And then it, it 
expands out on that over the next chapter and even two chapters of how God did it to the beauty of himself. According to his own standards, he looked at it in six times. He said, it's very good or it's good. It's good. It's good. And then ultimately he ends by saying it is very good. That's beauty. When God himself looks upon his own creation, he says it's beautiful. And he looks at you and I, made in his own image. It's very good. And then, so the Bible begins with a depiction of God's creating beauty. And it ends with him creating this new heavens and new earth. And he, and he, and he shares it with such depth. And we can't even fathom what this might look like. So I want to read to you Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Right? If, you, if you've been married, you, you can know what that beauty looks like, how it takes your breath away, like, wow, that's, that's my spouse. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief and crying and pain will be no more because previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. He also said, right, because these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then jumping down to verse 18. The building materials, materials of the wall. Listen to these jewels and gems and stones that I've never even heard of. They were jasper, and the city was pure gold, clear as glass. Imagine street, pure gold. Just the, the, the shining of it would blind a person. The foundation of the city's wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth zardonyx whatever that is, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, phrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on because the glory of God illuminates it. And its lamp is the lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it's never, there'll never be night there. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only what are those written in the lamb's book of life. God is the definer and creator 
of what is beautiful, what is lovely. He is okay with us fixing our minds on what is lovely, what is beautiful. In fact, think of this. He gave you your five senses and your mind so that you could see, you could smell, you could touch, you could hear, you could process the beauty of God's creation. He just didn't allow you to see it. You could taste it. You can feel it and see it. Yet, we know that what is lovely, what is beautiful has been tainted, right? The first two chapters of Genesis depicts the beauty of God's creation and how lovely it was, how untainted it was. Yet, sin came along and corrupted it. We read of an example of this in 1 Samuel 16, 7, how something that can appear so beautiful can in fact be so far from God's original intent of beauty. Now this was when Saul, the king, the first king in all of Israel, was rejected by God. And so Samuel goes out to find the next king. And he's going to anoint him or appoint him as the next king. And so he goes to Jesse, a a man that we don't really know a lot about in the Bible, but he was a man who had all these sons. And so Samuel went to Jesse because God told him to. And the first person he sees, he's like, this is the guy, right? He's the oldest. He's, he's got to be the man. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but God, the Lord, looks at the heart. Similarly, writing about the characteristics of a woman in Proverbs 31.30, we read, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. In fact, we read that a lot in Proverbs. He'll say, don't be deceived by the beauty. Don't, Don't trust in how a person is dressed or how flashy they look, how their appearance is. Look at the heart. And then Peter would say in 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty or the fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. See, God originally intended all creation to be fully beautiful, fully lovely, perfection at its best. And so when we fix our eyes or fix our thoughts on what is beautiful, we go back and we say, what is God's original intent on what is beautiful? What is lovely? That is what we are to fix our minds on when it comes to beauty. Fix your minds on what is lovely. What shows the beauty of God. Now, this, of course, can be done in just the the natural world, right? Or the world that, that God has given us the ability 
to create, right? When I look at a car, for instance, like, like it's really hard because whenever I think of, of, of nature and seeing God's beauty, I think of mountains, I think of streams, I think of the ocean, I think of the wilderness, right? I think of a sunrise or a sunset or of animals. But beauty can also be in a car. How many times I've been driving down the road and I see a, a brand new car or an old muscle car, right? With a nice paint job and nice rims. And I'm like, man, that's a beautiful car, right? Beauty can be in so many different things. God gave us the ability to create beauty. When, when I'm driving downtown Minneapolis on an evening in the summertime and I look and I see the skyline, and all the buildings, and the lights, and maybe the sunset even, and a bridge all lit up. That's beautiful. Now, some might not think that, right? But it, it, it depicts God's creativity through us. Art can be beautiful. So many things. Music can be beautiful. Beautiful. I love Psalm 19, 1 through 6. I want to read this passage to you straight from the CSB translation. I had the New Living Translation picked out, but I just thought that this was a, a, a nice way to put it. David says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and, the, and their words to the ends of the world. It's like they don't have a speech. They don't have the ability to communicate. But the glory depicts the beauty of God. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The beauty of God is all over creation. In fact, Romans one twenty says it this way. Paul looks out and he says, Forever since the world was created, People have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his internal power and divine nature. There is beauty in what God has created and what he's given mankind the ability to create as well. So fix your thoughts on what is lovely in the world that's been created. There's beauty. There's beauty. Enjoy it. You can. You've been given permission in God's word to sit back and be magnified. Have awe. Enjoy. Well, secondly, you can find beauty or dwell on or fix your thoughts on what is beautiful in people. Right? What is beautiful? Now, again, this isn't a lust thing. That, that came about after the fall. God created for us to look upon others and say, that is a beautiful person. That person has been made in the image of God. How amazing. It's wonderful. That person has so much skill in that area. 
Like their mind is amazing. How beautiful their mind is. How beautiful their heart is for the love of others. Their skill in their ability to lead a business. Or their skill, man, how often I've watched sports and how a football player can catch a ball. I'm like, that was amazing. That was that was beautiful. How that hockey player was able to skate with that puck and then put that thing right above the shoulder of the goalie is I, I'm in awe. I couldn't do that if I tried a million times, right? God has created people beautifully in his image. We can enjoy it. The first Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 says this about the beauty that's been placed in us. We have the ability to tap into this love. What is lovely is patient. It's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ways. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, and is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Matter. Love. It isn't jealous. It isn't boastful. It isn't proud, rude, demand its own ways. It doesn't get irritable. It doesn't keep records of being wrong. It does not rejoice over injustices. But love, love is kind. It's patient. It loves when truth wins out. It's hopeful. It endures to the end. That is what God has put in those who are created in his image. First John says it this way in 4.16. God is love and those who remain in love remain in God and God remains in them. You can fix your mind on the characteristics and the qualities of people that are in line with the characteristics of God. You can fix your mind. And lastly, you can fix your mind on Christ and his church. Psalm 27, 4 says, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to be with his people. To rejoice with others and to delight in the Lord's perfections and meditate in his temple. To spend time with his people. God longs for nothing more than for you and for I to fix our thoughts on him within his body, the church. Those he calls his own. He so enjoys when his people get together and come and just give him the glory and praise and seek him and desire him. That's what love is. So what is love? Anything around you that reflects the beauty and the characteristics, the creativity of God. Fix your mind on it. Dwell on it. There's so much. Don't let your mind be bombarded by all the ugliness of this world and the lures and and the lust and the desires that take you away from the love of God. Run towards Him. Seek Him. And seek the characteristics of Him and those around you. Ralph Emerson put it this way. Never lose an opportunity of seeing anything beautiful 
for beauty is God's handwriting. Today, will you open up your mind? Open up your mind to the beauty of God. He's given you a mind to enjoy. He's given you senses of touch, smell, hear. Oh, taste. Taste the beauty that God has given. Enjoy it. Enjoy those who have the characteristics of God and, and appreciate it. Appreciate it. Father, I pray for every person listening that they would understand that, God, you create beauty. You have created us in the image of yourself so that we can create beauty. You created beauty in nature. God, you are so longing for us to enjoy the beauty in this world. Get our minds off the ugliness and get it back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us, Nexus Church Family Online. And again, continue to put this verse in your mind. Meditate on it. Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is admirable, what is pure, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. And we'll see you again real soon.